You're listening to the Life in Christ Church Podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? Anyway, it's always good to celebrate. You know, our church needs to celebrate milestones. I think it's a very important, and I love what, that you do that. I love that you're a kind of a church that celebrates people. And uh, the last couple of years, that have been, there have been many distractions trying to stop our progress or get us off the vision and the mission the Lord has given us. You know, it's important to not lose sight of our vision, even in challenging times. In Genesis chapter 13, uh, Abram, before he was called Abraham, uh, he, God had said to him, I want you to leave your country, leave your family, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I'll show you. He says, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram did what God told him to do. He left and he took his nephew Lot with him. And then if you go to chapter 13, it says, uh, beginning at verse 5, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become very wealthy with flocks of sheep and goats herds of cattle and many tents, but the land could not support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks and herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. At that time, Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land. Finally, Abram said to Lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. The whole countryside is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Abram talking. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zoar. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram was settled in the land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom and settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and continually sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction. North and south, east, north and south, east and west. I'm giving you all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction, for I'm giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp in Hebron, settled near the oak, grab, oak grove belonging to Mamre, there he built another altar to the Lord. This was a difficult time for Abram. Strife and conflict among his staff or among his employees. 
Abram recognized that this kind of conflict had the potential to destroy or harm the vision and journey God had before him. It's never a good thing when there's strife and drama in a family or in a church or in a st- on a staff in a church. We all know that. Strife and conflict in a church is a distraction to the vision. The enemy will bring that. And it gets our eyes off of the vision of the church. <laughs> right in the middle of this conflict, listen to this, right in the middle of this conflict, God told Abram to look up and look outward. When there is a compelling vision in a church, our eyes will be on the vision and not on each other's faults. That's what brings strife and distractions in a church. When we start looking at each other (laughs) and we see that we're not perfect and we start fussing with each other. But if you have a compelling vision, Pastor Joe, your eyes will be on the vision. It will not be distracted. Your eyes will not be so much on each other. (laughs) But right in the middle of all that, God told Abram to look up and look outward. Now, we live in a day when there's a lot of conflict and unrest and uncertainty in our world. We all know that. A lot of political divides, a lot of lawlessness, a lot of ungodliness and evil in our society. You know, know, if you really look at history, that's really not anything new. It just seems intensified to us today. But I was thinking, I wonder if other generations thought that too. You know, what about the Civil War? Do you think people thought that was pretty intense? You know, so sometimes we think things are horrible, and they are in some way, in some ways. And it does seem intensified to us. But listen to me. This is not the day for us to throw up our hands and say, what are we going to (laughs) do? This is the day for the church to have vision. This is the day for the church to shine. God said to Abram, I want to give you what you can see. I want to give you what you can see. He said, look in every direction. And you know when you're a pastor of a church like Pastor Joe and Pastor Phil and myself and people in the church, we all want to have vision in our lives and we all want to be a part of a church that has vision. People want to be a part of something that is going somewhere. And so Pastor Joe, I know that you're filled with vision But just open your heart even further. Look to the north, south, east, and west. You know, you're going on TV and north, south, east, and west. The Lord wants to give you what you can see. And I don't think that God was just thinking about Abram seeing what he could see with these two eyes. No, no. I think he was talking about what Abram could see with the eyes of his spirit. On the inside. What can you see with the eyes of your spirit? the inner man, for this church, for this ministry, for all of our personal lives. Abram began to walk through the land. Everybody say, walk through the land. Vision. No, no, I didn't mean to say that. (laughs) That's good, though. You're listening. (laughs) That reminds me one time I was in India. And uh, I've been to India 22 times. So I used to go to this Bible school. We'd teach me. We helped establish this Bible school over there. And you know how sometimes you say, when you're preaching here in America, you say, um, hello, meaning, are you out there? Are you listening? Remember? 
You, you, you. Well, I did that over there, and they all waved. I said, hello, and they all waved, hi. <laughs> I found out when you travel to other nations, you, you, they don't know your jokes. <laughs> they don't know your jokes. I've been embarrassed sometimes with that. <laughs> you know, Abram began to walk through the land. You know, if you want to see a vision accomplished, you got to start walking. you got to start walking. You can't just sit around and say, well, you know, I'll do it someday when I have this or that. No, no, no. you gotta, you got to start walking. you just got to start walking towards something you can't see with your natural physical eyes. you got to start walking. You know, I remember when Pastor Phil, I saw a little article in the paper about this church in the Light Ministries was starting in Lancaster City. I don't know if you called me or I called you. I called you. And I thought, I want to meet this guy. And so we met, and he, they were meeting in a little, uh, little storefront church there on Queen Street or something like that. And uh, so Phil and I, I mean, that was back in 1991, yeah. I believe. And, um, and we, we became friends. I mean, we're like buddies now. You know, we're friends. We're peers in the, <laughs> in the ministry, and we're bowlers. Yeah. Amen. We're bowlers. Yeah, he's a, he's a great bowler. Yeah. Yes, he finished this year with a 210 average. Yeah. And Phil, I mean, Phil's intense. I mean, you talk about a man of vision. Even in bowling, he's a man of vision. And I, he gets up there, and, and, and if he gets a strike, he doesn't smile at all. He just thinks that's the way it ought to be every time. <laughs> but when they came here to Lancaster, and God spoke to them about starting a work here, they just started walking. They just started walking. They, could, they didn't see. He saw in his inner man what God wanted to do, but he just began to walk. If you want to see a vision fulfilled in your life, you have to start walking. Take a step toward it. Take a step toward something you can't see. <laughs> How crazy is that? And so when Pastor Joe and Pastor Sarah were with Joyce Meyer, you know, and they were happy out there doing their doing whatever they were doing there. Sarah, I think, was the director of the Bible school or something like that, and, and Joe was getting his life straightened out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I'm sorry. And God started, I mean, God straightened him, straightened him out, and they got together and got married and, and started to have it in the heart to come back here. And they started walking. They started walking. <laughs> you got to walk. You just got to walk. You can't sit back and say, well, you know, I'll do this when. I'll do this if. I'll do this. I we have a missionary named Jonah. In 1981, he came to see me. When we went to Rhema Bible Training Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1976 and 77, you know, I was Amish. I was raised Amish right here, six miles from here. You know, I'm, I come from an Amish family of 12. I'm the oldest of 12. <laughs> and we, we were a horse and buggy people. But I left when I was 18 because I wanted a car. I mean, I mean, on a, on a, on a, hot, on a hot August afternoon, I'd be out in the field with a six-mule team, Dick and Pete and Jack and Jewel, and... Mike and Kate, the name of the mules. And I'd be out there, you know, working the ground, and I'd be dozing off, and I, it would just, and I'd see a car go by. 
and I'm thinking, what's wrong with a tractor? What is wrong with a tractor? And we had a neighbor that had a 56 Mercury. I think it was nice. 56 Mercury. I know that's before you were born. I know that. And I thought, when I see you go by that, I want one of those. I want one of those. So I left when I was 18, got a car. But my parents, you know, they were a little, they, were, they weren't as, as strict as some. Thank God. My dad even helped me buy the car. <laughs> he, said, he said he'd help me if I wouldn't tell anybody. I said, I said okay. <laughs> my, my, dad, my dad was a rebel. I mean, he was an Amish rebel. You know, for example, you're not supposed to trim your beard. Well, he trimmed his, you know. You're not supposed to have, you're supposed to have a four and a half inch brim on your hat. He had three and a half. And he had it cocked down the front. He had many a visit, visit from the bishop. My dad did. I was there. I heard the conversations. Where was I at before I got into all that? You got to walk. You got to walk. You can't just sit. Abram got up and started walking. God said, I'm going to give you what you can see. And he got up and started walking through the land and building altars. That signified his relationship with the Lord. Our vision must always be wrapped in a relationship with Jesus. Remember that. Somebody said to me, well, how do we change what we see, Pastor Sam? All I see is my circumstances and my situation. That's because you're looking down. God said to Abram, look up. Lift your eyes. Look every direction. How do I change what I see, Pastor Sam? Well, we go to the Word of God. And we see what God says about our lives. And we hear what the Holy Spirit says about our ministries and about our situations. And we lift our eyes to what the Word says. And we lift our eyes to what the Holy Spirit is saying on the inside of us. And we speak and we believe what the Bible says about us and what the, Word, what the Word of God says about us and what the Holy Spirit says about us on the inside. And you always remember, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, whatever He speaks to you always has to line up with the Word of God. What we see in the Word rather than what we see in our circumstances, keep our eyes on the Word on Jesus, the living word, when we do that, we are not so easily distracted. You know, uh, I tell this story. I'm known for this story, so i got to tell it again. I, I love to hear my own stories <laughs> again and again. So when I was about 12, 13, my father said, I'm going to teach you how to plow today. I said, oh, that's the big one. Working on a farm, that's the big one. I'm thinking, okay. So he said, uh, let's get out Dick and Pete and Jack and Jewel, name of the mules. Now, if, you, if that's your name, I'm not calling you a mule, I'm just saying. <laughs> and, so, and so he says, uh, let's get him out. And, we, and, and back then, we had a one, one furrow plow, you know, one plow, one plow at a time. And this 20-acre field looked huge to me. So he said, now, if we're going to do this right, you're going to have to get the first furrow straight. And in order to, to, to do that, he said, you see that fence post at the end of the field? I said, yep, I see it. He said, I, don't, I want you to put your eyes on that. 
Just look at that. Don't look left. Don't look right. Don't look down. Don't look at the mules. Don't look back. Only look at the fence post. And that's how he, that's how he did it. In his Amish hat and clothes, he's like. Samuel, saying sell a fence post. Saying sell a posta. That means you see that fence post in Pennsylvania Dutch? Saying sell a posta. Saying sell a posta. And I kept my eyes on that thing. I didn't look right, left. I just kept all the way out, all the way out through there, and I looked back, and that thing was as straight as could be. Uh, my, dad was, my dad was proud. I was proud. The mules were proud. Even old Shep, the dog, was proud. I didn't realize it at the time, Pastor Phil, but that's a lesson. Looking back in my life, my dad was a visionary. He didn't realize he was, he was teaching me a lesson on vision, but I've kept it all these years. I'm not saying I was perfect. But I've kept that visionary purpose in my life all of these years. Here's a couple of lessons from Abram. Abram had a close relationship with God. He built altars of worship. I said that earlier. That relationship with God enabled him to walk in love. That's why he could say to Lot, you choose what you want to choose, what you want, and I'll take what's left. Well, you know, Lot chose the well-watered Plains and Abram was left with a, left, a less desirable place. But he was generous, like you were talking about today. And he had boldness to speak the truth. Sometimes we let something go on too long before we address it. But he, had, he said to Lot, you know, we, we can't continue this way. This is going to destroy us. So he had boldness. He was generous. Told his nephew Lot to choose he said, I'll take what you don't want. He walked through the land, acted on his vision, didn't wait on resources, began to walk toward what he saw in his spirit. You know, I forgot to, I forgot to finish that story about Jonah. Didn't I? Missionary. So why did I forget that? Yeah, Pastor Joe distracted me. <laughs> um, so, so this guy came to see me. When we were into Raymond, we were talking. We were Amish there, and I wasn't Amish there, but former Amish. And so Billy Brim, I don't know anybody knows that name. Well, she was on staff out there, and she wrote an article in the Word of Faith magazine called. It was called the Apostle to the Amish, <laughs> talking about us. And uh, and so he, this man in Kenya, got a Word of Faith. Got a copy of that word of faith with that, and he and he came to see me in 1981, and I didn't pay any attention to him. You know, sometimes people just want stuff, right? And I wasn't into that. I didn't want to just I didn't want to just give people stuff. I wanted a relationship. All of our missionaries through the years, we had relationships with them. It's very important as you reach out as a church, have relationship. Don't just give people stuff. You know, have a relationship with them. And uh, so. Um, he came. I didn't pay much attention to him. He stayed at the Sunset Motel, right close to Worship Center. And I, I met with him, and, and, and then he went back. And he came back in 82. And he, I still didn't pay much attention to him. Just met with him once. And, and then he came back in 83. <laughs> in 83, you talk about, you know, I want to. I want to. He, he was not going to 
get no for an answer. So then I finally said, okay, this guy means business. And so we connected better and I went to see his work and um, he had about 300 churches in seven different nations around Kenya, in Kenya and around Kenya. So we connected and we went, we went over there and he took me to his office and he had one little chair and a little, a little desk, no other furniture, no pictures on the walls, and about five books on a little shelf. That's all he had. And he had 300 churches. And uh, so I said, Jonah, I said, how do you do what you do? He said, Pastor Sam, we just start walking. We just start walking. And he said, as we walk, the resources catch up to us. He said, we don't wait on the resources. We need to start walking. Oh, oh, that was 1983. I'll never forget it when he said it to me. Never forget it. Taught me something through the years. You just got to start walking. You may not have the resources. You may not know where they're going to come from, but you got to start walking. And the resources are, and the resources are catch up to you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. His vision, Abram's vision, was wrapped in his relationship with God. So what do we see as a church, Pastor Joe? What do we, what do we walk toward as a church? Life in Christ, church. What do we walk toward? Number one, and I know you know this, but I'm telling you anyhow. We walk toward the vision for the harvest. Never forget it. Never forget it. That's number one in a church. That has to be number one, a vision for the harvest. Somebody say, well, Pastor Sam, what about discipleship? Isn't that important? Somebody said that, what about discipleship? And I said, yes, it is. But I said, if you don't, if you don't reach people first, you won't have anybody to disciple. Right. You got to reach them first. Pastor Sarah, you got to reach him first. And I know that's what you're doing here. I know that. I love that about you. Yeah, I, I, don't, know of a, I don't know of any church here in this vicinity that has a stronger vision for souls than you do. As far as going out in the streets. And, and I know In the Light has, I know that's, they, they, that's what they breathe too. I've seen that. They have outdoor things there on your parking lot, all kinds of stuff. I love that kind of stuff. To reach the lost with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said. Remember the story? I'm just going to tell the story. Remember when, when Jesus, they were going through Samaria, him and his disciples, and they met the woman at the well, and then, um, you know, they were talking to her, and, and he told her her life story and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then it came time when the disciples went into town to buy some food, Right? And uh, when they came back, they saw Jesus talking to this woman. And they, <laughs> they were astounded. That's why I like Jesus. He just, he just stepped outside the bounds. You know? he, he, just, he just did what the religious people didn't do. And he even did, he broke the laws. I don't mean the land laws of the land. I mean the religious rules. He broke them. And then they said, uh, the disciples, they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. <laughs> what do you want with her? 
or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well, ran back to the village telling everybody, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. She became an evangelist right away. Amen. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Watch this. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. That's what you got here. That's what you have here. You have a kind of food that other people don't know anything about. And the disciples said, did someone bring him some pizza? Did somebody bring him something to, food, something to eat? And Jesus explained, my nourishment, I love this, comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. One translation says, lift up your eyes and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvest, harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. <laughs> That's what it's all about. People being brought to eternal life. Lift your eyes. See the harvest. It's all around us. It's everywhere. We're the reapers. Not just the pastor. Everybody's the reaper. Everybody. The harvest is our neighbors, our fellow workers, anyone God puts in our path. Just on Wednesday, I was at John Food Store in Leola. And I was by the deli. And I was getting some chicken salad. And I had tuna salad. Sherilyn likes tuna salad. I hate it. I hate tuna salad. I can't even stand the smell, but I had to get it for her because I love her. We've been married 55 years almost. And I said to the guy behind the counter, and he, I said, how are you doing? He said, I've been going through SH. I won't say it. He said, he, you know, he's, but he said the word. And I said, uh, yeah, what's going on? Well, you know, if I have this sinus problem and I got this problem and I'm depressed and all this, and, and I'm like, uh, he said, would you pray for me? You know, he didn't mean right there. He meant tomorrow. You know, but I've learned, Pastor Joe, when somebody says that to me, I'm praying right there. I don't care where I am. I don't care where I am. <laughs> so I reached over. I said, I'll pray with you right now. There's people waiting, you know. Preach. <laughs> and he took his glove off that he had on, you know, to handle the food. And, and he took my hand, and we were praying. I prayed. I prayed that the healing power of God would hit him. I don't know what happened, but I'm waiting. I'm going to go in and see him again. But that's what we got to do, Amen. you know. I remember one time in the, at the bowling alley on a Monday night, a guy by the name of uh, uh, Kennedy, Dave Kennedy, he came up to me, and he said, uh, he said, would you pray for my wife? Uh, I said, what's wrong? He said, uh, uh, her, uh, she has uh, cancer, been diagnosed with cancer. And I, I said, what's her name? He said, he said Muffin. <laughs> I said, Muffin. He said, would you pray for Muffin? So I, <laughs> he, he thought he meant tomorrow. You know, and all his buddies are there. And, and Phil knows that some of these guys are, they need Jesus. <laughs> so I just reached out his hand and I started to pray. He goes down like this. <laughs> You just, you just have to be bold. Be bold. Everybody can do that. Not too many people are going to turn down prayer. Somebody, one couple asked us, this couple that was depressed, 
She'd been depressed for years, three or four years, could hardly function, couldn't, didn't want to leave her house. Say, would you come cleanse our house? I said, what do you mean cleanse your house? Say, would you come and anoint the doors with oil and, and the windows with oil? I said, sure, we'll do that. So we went, you know, and we, we anointed the doors and, and the windows with oil and, and just took authority over any evil spirits that would try to tormenting her. And, and right in the middle of that, Sherilyn says to her, uh, have you ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit? <laughs> just like that. We were just in their house. And they said, what's that? What's that? No, have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? She said, no, no, I've never even heard of it. And so we explained it to him a little bit and gathered around him. And her husband, Scott, came then too, and he was standing there. Would you guys like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Uh, yeah. So we laid hands on them and were baptized. <laughs> they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They both started speaking in tongues right there <laughs> in the house. We saw them a couple, a couple weeks later, and she said the, the depression lifted. You can, just, you can just pray anywhere you go with people and be a blessing because we carry the anointing. You don't have to wait in some back room to get the anointing. You have it inside you. You carry it with you wherever you go. You're always ready. Well, Pastor Sam, I'm not ready. I need to intercede for a while. No, you don't. No, no. We were out to dinner with friend of ours and, and we were telling this story and he's going like this to his wife and I'm looking she's not baptized in the Holy Spirit he said no and uh, he, I said well let's get together so we got together at worship center in one room one day and, and we were praying for her and Sherilyn had told her he says when we pray for you you're going to get it you're going to be but you're going to get it and boy when we prayed for her she, I mean She's like Mark Hankins. She started to laugh and, <laughs> and the joy of the Lord hit her. <laughs> it, was, it was great. So you can just be a blessing anywhere you go. Jesus said, come follow me and I will show you how to make, how to fish for people. I will show you how to fish for people. You know how he showed them? You know that Jesus, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit with power. Then Jesus went about doing good. That's how he showed them. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That is how he showed them to fish for people. And that's us today, filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with power. Amen. Amen. Everywhere we go, we can be a blessing. So, keeping the vision in challenging times... Life in Christ, what's number one? Keep the vision for the harvest. That has to be number one. Number two, keep the vision for sound Bible teaching. Establish the believer through sound Bible teaching, Pastor Joe, and I know you do that. The Bible says in John 8, 31 and 32, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth that will make you free is the truth you know. Truth you know is the truth that will make you free. We're not called to fix people as a church. We're not called to fix each other. We're called to help people build their lives on the Word of God. And I want to say the word build with capital letters B-U-I-L-D. You cannot build your life on the spectacular. 
You build your life on the Word of God. Nothing wrong with the spectacular, but you can't build your life on that. People want a quick fix, but we can't fix people. You know, when I, when I left Rhema Bible Training Center in 1977, when we left, we had it in our hearts. We were going to help people build their lives on the Word. That was number one. <laughs> help people build their lives on the Word of God. Week after week. You know, you know that a pastor, you know, I'm not, I'm not a pastor anymore. Six years ago, I, I handed the pastoral role at Worship Center over to Matt Milan. And so now, you know, we just go all, we have a, a network of our own Worship Center. We oversee that. And I don't necessarily have to have a new message every time, like Pastor Joe does. Because <laughs> if he comes back with the same message, uh, you know it. You say, Pastor, you didn't study this week. That's the same message you had last week. Actually, it wouldn't matter to have the same message because people don't get it until about the seventh, about the seventh time. You know, what, you know what John Osteen said? He said, he said, keep talking about your vision. Proclaim your vision. He said, when you, the time you get tired talking about your vision, then the people in the church are beginning to get it. I loved, I loved John Osteen. I still miss him. Some of you probably listened to Joel Osteen, but John was his daddy. John was, he was, I, I loved him. He used to say, great it is to dream the dream when in youth you stand at a starry stream. But a greater thing is to fight life through and at the end say, the dream is true. <laughs> you know, you know, if you're going to have a vision, you want to see a vision fulfilled in your life, you got to fight for it. <laughs> you have to fight for it. I remember when we built our last building at, at Worship Center. It's a huge, <laughs> huge undertaking. And uh, in 1981... We built our first building, but we thought that was going to be temporary. We always wanted to build a sanctuary for our church. And so for 29 years, we coexisted with school, but always had this vision to have a church for our, the congregation that wasn't coexisting with the school. Nothing wrong with that, but it just got harder as the years went by, you know, both ministries growing. And, and uh, so in 99... 18 years after we uh, had our first facility, I said, let's, let's put together a blueprint. So we put together a blueprint and what we wanted to build. And, and um, uh, then we had a five-year um, issue with the township. Five years. And so, you know, you lose momentum. You know, you just lose momentum. And so after we got that resolved, um, I looked at the blueprints. I said, I don't even want to build that anymore. I don't want to build. Let's change it. We changed the whole thing around. And now it's 2006, 2007, and the economy is collapsing. 
<laughs> and we're ready to build. And so we're just waiting. And one morning, I was in the shower. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, what are you waiting on? It's time to build. It's time to build. What are you waiting on? So I got the board, the directors and the elders together. I said, I think we should build. And they said, do you think right now? I said, yeah, why not? I said, there's a lot of people without work. Look, a lot of people work, looking for work. A lot of companies looking for work. We're going to get good competitive prices. Unless, I said, let's do it now. And I wanted unanimous agreement. So I went around the room. What about you, Phil? What about you, Joe? I'm with you, Pastor. I'm with you. What about you, Sarah? I'm with you, Pastor. Until the last person said, no, I don't think we should do it. I think we should give all our money away. Well, now, that was designated money, and we couldn't give it away if we wanted to, legally. And so I'm thinking, this guy, <laughs> this guy's not even, he's not, not only in the same page, not on the same page, he's not in the same book. You know, I'm like, you know, that's, that's what leaders, you know, so in, that's all, I'm thinking that inside. So I'm thinking, what should I do here? I wanted unanimous agreement. And I looked at him, I said, uh, how, how are you, you feel this real strong? I mean, so strong that you're going to hold up progress? of what everybody else feels around the table. And he sat there for maybe 30 seconds. Felt like an eternity. And he said, I, or, or I said, or can you submit? And he said, uh, I can submit. So I had unanimous agreement. Amen. And we built that thing. We, 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 we started building in April of 2009 and moved in in August of 2010. But we had to borrow some money. We had about half of it. It was a $20 million project. About half of it, we went to the bank for the other half. That was hard. That was hard. Whew. Go to the bank and ask for $10 million. And so, but we got it all paid off in December of 2021. It's all paid off. Everything's paid. Everything's paid. One of my point is this. You have, I had to fight for it. The fight of faith. That's the only fight. You know, we, sometimes people think that we fight the devil. No, 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 we, we fight the fight of faith. The devil's already defeated. He's already defeated. Don't spend your time fighting the devil. Just, just the other day, Cheryl and I were at Park City. She wanted to get a Vera Bradley purse. Oh. Oh. You know how much Vera Bradley purses cost? Oh, my. So I was sitting there while she was in there looking at Vera Bradley. And uh, this guy comes up to me and says, hey, uh, I remember you're Pastor Sam, aren't you? I said, yeah. And uh, he said, well, I'm so-and-so. And he said, I used to go to your church and da-da-da-da-da. And he said, he said, man, the devil's been after us. He's been coming at us time and time and time again. The devil's been after us. And I'm thinking, I didn't say it, but I thought your, your focus is totally wrong. You got your focus on the devil and what he's doing. Don't ever do that. Don't get your focus on the devil. No, no. We fight the fight of faith. And Paul said, it's a good fight of faith. You want family members to come to Christ? Fight the fight of faith. Fight the fight of faith. Believe God for your whole household. I remember when our son, Jamie, I hope he's not listening. But he was just out there doing his own thing like I did when I was his age. You know, and, I, and he was, he's a jazz drummer. He's a really good one, too. And uh, 
So he was out there doing his thing, and, and we were praying, and, and we had a guy, we had a jazz drummer, professional jazz drummer in our church called, his name was Clyde Lucas, and he was an amazing drummer. And uh, so I thought, if Jamie would get with Clyde, I bet you Clyde could have a good influence on him. So for a whole year, every day, I might have missed a day here and there, but not many. I would say, I just say it. Sometimes you just say it. You don't have to go into deep intercession all the time. Just say it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with deep intercession. I'm not saying that. Don't misunderstand me. But sometimes you just say it. And I would say every day, Lord, put Jamie with Clyde. Put Jamie with Clyde. Put Jamie with Clyde. I'd say it every, every day. And one day, after about a year of that, Jamie came. He said, Dad, what would you think if I'd get lessons from Clyde? I said, Jamie, that's a good idea. Good idea. Good idea. I don't even know if he knows today yet that I was doing that for a year. And so the first lesson, Jamie rededicated his life to the Lord. First lesson. Yeah. You want your family to come to Christ? Claim them for the kingdom. You know, sometimes they won't listen to us but they'll listen to somebody else. So I say, Lord, send someone across their path. How many of you have family members that are not in the kingdom? How many of you? Well, many of you, most of you, most of you. Let's all stand. I want to pray about that right now. Let's just claim them for the kingdom. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for every family member, whether it's a son or a daughter, mom or dad, grandmom, granddad, brother, sister, Whoever they are, Lord, we lift up their names to you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we claim them for the kingdom of God. We pray that their hearts would be softened. We pray that their spiritual ears would be open to the truth. We pray that you would send someone across their path that they would be able to hear and listen to and open their heart to. And we claim every one of them for the kingdom of God. And we see families whole in the kingdom of God. Families whole in the kingdom of God. Not one loss. Not one loss, but all coming to Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Are you, are you agree with that prayer? Yes. Everybody said? Amen. 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 You may be seated. Without a vision, I'm just about done. Without a vision, the people perish. That's why it's so important, Life in Christ Church, to have a vision here for the harvest, to have a vision to build your life on the Word of God, to have a vision where every church member is involved in the work of the ministry. Have that kind of vision here. If this is your home church, well, sometimes people say, yeah, but Pastor Sam, I don't know what my gift is. No, people sit around thinking that, and they never do anything. No, whenever there's a need for something, be the first one to, to uh, say, I'll, I'll, I'll help. And that's when you'll discover your gift. You don't discover your gift sitting at home. You don't discover your gift sitting in a church pew not doing anything. No, you discover your gift when you serve. That's when you discover your gift, when you volunteer for something. 
and you might not even necessarily like it, but you say, I'm willing to serve, and that's when you will discover your gift. And, and Life in Christ Church, that's the kind of church I believe you are. You're a harvest-minded church. You're a church of the Word, the Word of God, and you're a church that wants to see this church fulfill its assignment from God. And don't ever compare with other churches, Pastor Joe. Don't ever compare with other churches. Certainly you can glean from other churches and, and learn things, but God has given you a vision here. God has given you the directive here, an assignment to fulfill, fulfill here at Life in Christ. So don't compare. When you compare, then you get into trouble. When you don't have a vision, you drift aimlessly. You slowly wither inside. You have a hopelessness about you. Keep the vision in front of yourselves as a church. Don't be distracted. Vision doesn't have to be complicated. No, sometimes I see vision, the vision statements of a church. They're like a, a paragraph long, and I'm thinking, nobody remembers that. No, your, your vision statement needs to be a couple words. Three words, four words, no, not a paragraph. Nobody cares about that. You think they do, but they don't. No. Maybe you feel like you have no personal vision for your life right now here today. Find purpose right where you are. My one daughter works at a grocery store, and she is a... Um, Works at the register, what do you call that? Cashier. And sometimes she feels like there's no purpose. And I keep telling her, I say, I say, I say her name, I say, you know, you're there. And you, you interact with all these people all day long. That's your purpose. That's your purpose. I said, change your attitude. Change your attitude and see pur find purpose in what you're doing now. And if God wants you to do something else, he'll open something up. But you have to find purpose in right where you are and change your attitude right there. At the end of a service uh, some years ago, a guy come up to me and said, would you pray for me? I said, what for? He said that I would get another job. I said, why? He said, because I'm the only Christian there. I said, I'm not praying that for you. He said, why not? I said, you're the only light in the place. Why would we want the whole place to be dark? You're a light there. That's right. So I prayed that he would have boldness. Yes. He didn't like it. He didn't, he didn't like it. But I prayed that he would be. I laid my hands on him. I said, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will have boldness to minister to the people around you. <laughs> he was like, mm. <laughs> Why would I pray he be, he's the only light there? Why would I pray that he'd be taken out? Hey, this is Pastor Joe, and before you go, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to be 100% sure that heaven will be your eternal home. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you mean business with God, He means business with you. I want you to pray this very simple but powerful prayer and mean it with all your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. 
I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you were crucified and God raised you from the dead. I believe that you are the Son of God. I repent of all my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I give you my life. Do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. The next step is to find a good, strong local church. If you live anywhere near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we invite you to join us at Life in Christ every Sunday at 10 a.m. We have some of the best people on planet Earth. We love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit licchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.